You don't have to have millions of dollars to benefit from the advice of a financial advisor. My husband and I not only have to make decisions about our own financial planning needs, but we also have to field questions from our kids who are now on their own. That's why I was excited to hear about the on-demand financial planning for absolutely everyone from Fearless Finance. Their business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable. They make things easy to understand and keep the stress out of making investment choices. With Fearless Finance, you meet your planner virtually who will advise you on your financial journey. Are you paying back student loans, saving for your first house? Maybe you just want to make sure your finances are okay. You can ask all your questions and get answers, no judgment. You'll be charged an hourly rate, no long-term commitment, no minimum required. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit, and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code CLEAN. Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Danny K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 266, and I think I'm going to call it Freedom to experiment. Because this is one of those things I have been um, thinking about. And also, I know I've been answering these questions from my um, uh, super secret Facebook group of Patreon supporters. If you'd like to know more about being a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash a slob comes clean. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash a slob comes clean. That's also, um, there's a link to that at a slob comes clean.com slash podcasts. And there is also um, a link in the show notes always. So pretty much always, unless I forget. Anyway, so I've been thinking about this. So I've had questions the last uh, couple of podcasts. I have been answering different ones. And it's always interesting to me when I can kind of make the stuff fit under one thing. Like two weeks ago was um, basically the answer to every single question that I answered was the five minute pickup. There was more to it than that. Uh, but I've actually gotten a lot of feedback on that podcast. Anyway, and then last week was um, something that I can't think of in this exact moment while I'm talking to you. No, it was, what was it? Whatever. It was, it was all basically around a theme. Like uh, there were quite a few different questions that could be grouped under that theme. And um, I was thinking this was kind of going to be a, okay, I'll just cover the last of the questions there, which I mean, I didn't guarantee I was going to cover all the questions, but it's just worked out pretty well. And just today, I was thinking about something in my own life. And I went, you know, that kind of is um, applies to all of those questions, pretty much that I was going to talk about in my next podcast. So um, we're talking about experimenting, like the whole concept of experimenting. I think sometimes for those of us who have spent a lot of our lives feeling inept at this homemaking thing, who have felt um, unqualified or bewildered by, or just overall overwhelmed and not confident in what to do to actually keep our houses under control. I think that we don't always feel a lot of freedom in that. Like, because, you know, like I, it's just the same thing as like I explained to my kids. I'm like, you, once you get something down, like, let's say you get, 
you get, you know, my daughter's on drill team now and she works on things and oh my word, y'all, I just have to say it has been so much fun to, I mean, I'm telling you just since she tried out in May when she was trying to do it and she was doing, you know, she made it obviously. So she did great, but the improvement that just comes from her, just knowing more, like she knows more. And when you know more then you have the freedom to put a little pizzazz on it, you know, um, we're talking about dance there, but it's really the same thing for everything. Like once you have some skills down, once you know what to do, then you feel more confident. And when you feel more confident, you're like, Oh, I can try this or I can try that. But for those of us who have lived our lives, not feeling confident in this area, sometimes we're scared to experiment. We're like, please just tell me what to do, which is the beauty of something like, you know, the, the 28 days to hope for your home, which is, you know, included in my book, how to manage your home without losing your mind. You know, those 28 days of building four basic habits. I mean, I talk through every single day, like you spend seven days getting a new habit down and we go through all of the weird things that are going to go through your brain and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, I, I hear all the time from people who say it helps me so much to know when I don't know what to do, do the dishes or with the decluttering process from decluttering at the speed of life. You know, I look at a space that's overwhelming. I know to just focus on the trash. Trash is step one. Okay. So all of those things are very helpful because they know what to do. Okay. But for those of us who are desperate for that and who that is so incredibly helpful for, you know, there are people out there who are like, you have to tell yourself to do the dishes. Like who has to tell themselves to do the dishes? Like they just don't even understand that some of us have to talk ourselves through that. Okay. Because those things are more natural or more obvious maybe, or more clear or whatever to other people anyway. But sometimes those of us who feel like we're just hanging on with like, please just tell me the next step. We don't feel the freedom to experiment. Well, some of these questions get into some things where it's like, well, you really could do this different ways. So I want to give you the freedom to experiment. So my example, you know, I'm working on my next book, who knows when it's going to be done? Because <laughs> it's really hard for me right now. Because anyway, so um, not like hard, something awful is going on. I'm just really struggling, okay, with it. Anyway, I when I wrote my second book, I think I did a, a podcast on, you know, like breaking down a huge project and all that. And when I wrote my second book, um, it was on a really, really tight deadline. And part of my issue right now is I don't have a deadline, which whatever, because it's not actually under contract or anything yet. But um, I had this deadline and I had to get it done. And I really reaped the benefits of having written a book before. Like the first book that I wrote, of course, that one was on a deadline too. But I spent the first, probably the first three weeks to a month just figuring out what I needed to do to be able to shift from the, the blogging and podcasting and all the things that I normally did into this di very different task of writing a book. And I had to figure out how to break it down and then work through the you know process to actually get to the finish line. I had to figure out how to, you know, I have focus issues. <laughs> 
maybe you've already noticed in this podcast alone. Um, but I do, I have focus issues. I think a lot of us who struggle in our homes have focus issues. And so the number one thing, and I will tell this to everybody is, you know, I had to realize that because I had always done all my other work at home and I had places where I did it, um, that the number one thing that helped me be able to focus and shift gears and really just drill down and get uh, book writing done was to go somewhere other than my house. And I would go to the library a lot or, you know, I would, um, on a lot of times on Wednesdays after I went to Bible study, I would also do my shopping that day, but I would go and spend a couple hours at Panera and eat lunch and work there. And it's just something about that, that mental shift of going and I would go somewhere where I never signed into the Wi-Fi, so that I didn't have the temptation of, you know, switching them back and forth from writing in the word doc to check out my email or whatever, you know, and like with the library, I would often text my husband and say, um, Hey, just so you know, I'm at the library, but I'm not bringing my phone inside. So if you need me, you're going to have to either call the library or stop by here because you know, like I'm not going to be because I wasn't signed into Wi-Fi there. I mean, you know, so it was just, I had all these little things in place to help me focus and help me concentrate. Well, guess what 2020 has brought about that we never would have guessed could ever be brought about. Well, I don't have access to the library anymore. It is technically open. Um, There are different, as far as I know, there are, you know, different um, restrictions on, you know, what you can do and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I'm just not comfortable going to the library and sitting there. Uh, for several hours. So it's just, I, I don't have access to the same thing. I'm not comfortable going to a coffee shop and sitting there for several hours working. And so it's just a very different thing. Now, even though my number one solution, I had figured it out, this is how I'm going to do this was that I was going to, you know, when I would write a book, well, I just, I'm just not home. Well, guess where I am now? I'm at home. Well, when I write a book, I go somewhere where I don't have, you know, access to Wi-Fi. Well, I'm at home and I know there are a lot of writers who will turn off their Wi-Fi. My problem is I can turn it back on so easily. (laughs) So anyway, it has been hard. And so I have been over the last couple of weeks experimenting and going, okay, what works? All right, let's talk about one of this episode's sponsors, Third Love. Third Love bras are awesome and affordable. You can find your new favorite bra with high quality, comfy styles starting at just $45. Third Love is the real deal. Their number one claim to fame is that they have bras that are actually comfortable. So if you know anything about me, you know I'm all about being comfortable. Sometimes too much about being comfortable anyway. But if something itches or pokes or rubs the wrong way, I am out. And that is not the case with my third love bras. Okay, with signature details like memory foam cups, uh, no slip straps and a scratch free band, third love creates better bras that focus on what matters keeping you comfortable with no shortcuts and no substitutions. Plus, they give back. Third Love donates all of their gently used returned bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $20 million in bras. 
Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash clean now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash clean for 10% off today. Well, you know, just today, the re- one of the reasons I thought of this today was I was like, I finally, um, and it had to do with timing of things because I've been working on something with one of my kids who doesn't ha- have to go to school till a little bit later. But um, anyway, he had to go take the ACT or something at school this morning. And so I was like, okay, now I'm going to go outside in the morning. And guess what? I was so much more focused. I did my, like, I'm, I'm in my backyard, even though the plumber is still here. I know last week, which was actually yesterday right now. Um, but whatever that's podcast time. Anyway, the guy came to the door and said they were done. They were done, except they weren't totally done, but whatever. Anyway, so they've still been out there. And so I've got, um, the plumber's music playing in the background, but I don't even care because for some reason I'm able to concentrate better out there but I had been doing that. I had been knowing that maybe being outside, since it's actually not crazy hot anymore in Texas right now, um, outside would work. Well, I tried afternoons. That was when I was going out there. Well, it would get too bright or it would get a little bit too sunny in the spot where I had to work and blah, blah, blah. Well, this morning was the perfect time. Well, now I know because I tried something new. I've tried probably four different variations of this over the course of the last two weeks. And now this morning I found one that I went, this is it. Okay. This, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, now will I have to have other variations at some point? Yes. Cause that's just reality. Is it possible that today was another failed experiment? It is, but because of the success today, now I can go with that and I'll probably be that much better off, that much better educated, that much more confident with the next thing. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here is it's okay to experiment. So let's look at the whole concept of an experiment. I only know this because I was, I'm just going to say it. I was the regional science fair winner in first grade back in 1980. Yep. No, it would have been 81, right? 81. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. In 1981, I was the regional science fair winner for the Dallas area. Um, and that was really just because my mother was so into science fairs and, and she did make me do all the work like she did, but I wouldn't have done all the work if she didn't make me do all the work, but whatever. Um, my kids don't have a mother like that. (laughs) So we are generally going that, you know, but you know, because I've had three kids go through science fairs. Y'all that is like the, that's the only good thing about Corona time. No science fair this year. (laughs) I'm so beyond thrilled with that. I can't even express it anyway for us. I'm not saying it's for you. I'm not saying anything about for you. You may still have science fair. So don't, don't say, well, Dana said we didn't have it this year. Anyway. Okay. But I know from science fair and trying to explain to my kids, I'm like, okay, the scientific method, this is not going to be a science meth, a science lesson here. And if your kids are listening, hi, everybody, you can probably explain it to your parents better, but the basics are that you have a problem 
and you have a hypothesis. Okay. And your hypothesis is what you think is going to work with the results that you think are going to happen or the results that you think are going to happen. Like that's your hypothesis, your educated guess, right? Isn't that the actual definition? Your educated guess, meaning, you know, things you're not just going into it going, I think the sky will turn purple if I mix lemon into ice water. You know, I mean like that. No, we're not talking about that. We're saying educated. That was off the top of my head. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Anyway, I'm just kidding. It wasn't educated guests. Like these are the things that I know. I look at my house. I've got an educated guess. Now, remember, you don't need to make an educated guess about where to start if you're completely overwhelmed. If you're completely overwhelmed, do the dishes. You don't need to make an educated guess about, you know, what to do if you only have five minutes uh, between two different things, uh, do the dishes, sweep your kitchen floor, do a five minute pickup. I've told you all that. Okay. What I'm talking about is those things that don't necessarily fit into the things that I have educated you about. We're talking about this stuff with educated guesses. Okay. But my point is that a science experiment, it is not when, when you guess incorrectly, that's not an automatic fail. I don't think, right? I mean, you know, your guess was a guess. You tried it and then you learned something from that. And then you tried something else and you learned something from that. And you, so yes. Okay. That's my analogy, but I'm just trying to, trying to express that. I want to give you the freedom to experiment, not with dishes. Don't experiment with that. Just do your dishes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, one of the things I give y'all freedom on is laundry day, right? Y'all have all the freedom in the world. You do what you want to do. But I'm just saying, like, I know there are people who really do succeed at the one load a day. I personally did not succeed at that at all. So I have my way to do it, but I'm perfectly fine with how you want to do it. Now, the dishes, everybody needs to do their dishes, period. You have to do them. Okay. But for you, maybe the experiment is, okay, I'm going to try doing them every, you know, for me, I just did them every day and then eventually figured out, oh, it's working best when I do them at night. But maybe you, you know, you do that and you try, okay, I'm going to get them done every night before I go to bed. And then one morning you do them and you realize, oh, okay, well actually it fits into my schedule a lot better if I do it at this time, whatever. Okay. But you know, feel freedom to, to not feel like a failure when your first educated guess doesn't actually play out. That's how experiments go. So here's some questions for us. Um, okay. So this is one, how to use our project brains or how we already think to maximize our effectiveness. That's one of our favorite things. All of us with these struggles, we like to maximize effectiveness. That's me too. I'm just saying, okay. Especially when it comes to actual cleaning, I struggle with cleaning all the overlapping schedules and stuff of popular programs don't work for me. Maybe a clean project every day, like cleaning by room, even if that's not the most efficient. So I will tell you what I experimented with and what works best for me. Okay. Now, if you have never read the blog from beginning to end, and I mean every single word. <laughs> but if you've never done that, a lot of you have done that. And I honestly believe that the value in that is seeing the experiment process, like is seeing the, okay, I'm going to try this and see if this works. Well, that didn't work, but I'm going to adjust it this way, is seeing how long it can take 
and how that process of figuring out what works in your home actually looks like. Okay. If you want to do that, I think you can go to, um, just go to a slobcomesclean.com and I think it's the get started tab. We'll tell you how to read from beginning to end. Anyway, but so what I figured out worked best for me on this was assigning a chore to a day. Okay. So like Mondays are laundry day. Tuesdays are um, bathroom cleaning. Wednesdays are errands. That's just naturally how it works in my life because that's the day when I used to be out back when we used to be able to leave the house. Um, I'm just kidding. We do leave the house, but it, you know, it's not, it's not the same. Like we're doing all our Bible study over zoom and all that kind of stuff. But Thursdays are, uh, mopping and sweeping, sweeping and mopping. And, um, Friday is, uh, vacuuming and dusting. Okay. Or dusting and vacuuming. Anyway, so assigning a one major cleaning project that I felt like needed to be done once a week. Now it gets done every other week, but those things being done assigned to a day is what worked best for me because the day happening triggered that in my brain. Now for us still, you know, Monday is still laundry day, which means that my family members know whether they act on it or not. My family members know that Sunday night is when we get all the laundry sorted. So my husband knows that, you know, I mean, he, he generally is the one I I will walk through our little hallway outside the laundry room and I'll see that he has his little bag O socks, um, sitting there in the spot where, you know, the laundry gets sorted. And I'm like, oh, that's right. It's Sunday. Okay. Which Sunday is a pretty obvious day anyway, because it's a different day for, from all the others for us. But that helps it trigger Monday is laundry day. Okay. Tuesday is bathroom day. So when Tuesday comes around, it triggers in my brain, oh, I need to clean the bathrooms. Does that mean I clean them every Tuesday? No. So you guys know, because I've talked about it a lot, I do have somebody who comes in and cleans for me every other week. I let her clean the bathrooms and then we just wipe them down as needed other than that. Okay. So I don't do the Tuesday cleaning day anymore because not doing it makes me so happy anyway. But for seven years, that is what I did. I did the Tuesday cleaning bathrooms day, but there were days where either I something happened on Tuesday, something was going on. I didn't get the bathrooms clean, but just having that assigned to a day worked for me because the next Tuesday I'd be like, okay, it's Tuesday bathroom day. Oh my goodness. Last Tuesday I wasn't home. And so, oh goodness, it's been two weeks now. Oh my word. I was actually gone the Tuesday before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the other thing, you know, so then I would have, it would cure my time passage awareness disorder and let me know how long it had been since the bathroom had been cleaned. But, you know, life changes, especially when your kids are little and, you know, their gymnastic classes on a Tuesday this year, and then you start back up and it's on a Friday or whatever. And sometimes you have to move a few things around and you adjust and you go, okay, well, actually I can do laundry and bathrooms in the same day, because as long as I'm focused on that, well, you know, while loads are actually washing and drying, I can go do another chore. Or maybe you go, you know what? I would love to just make that day my day where I 
you know, get all my stuff done in one day, you know, like it's going to kill me and I'm not going to enjoy it, but who I won't have to think about it anymore. You know, it's experimenting with that. I know there was a time period where we would, I would do like a morning and I would try to get everything done and I didn't do a great job at it, but I would try to get everything done in like two and a half hours and just be like, I would rather tackle this. So it really is an experiment. So it's a matter of, I have a plan. Okay. I'm going to do Dana's way of assigning a task to a day. But then if that is just like hitting my head against the wall and it's just not working, then I'm going to go, okay, well, what kind of an adjustment can I make? Can I do, you know, two days a week that I spend an hour, you know, working on getting, you know, what I would have said was two days worth of tasks, you know, done. So it, it's giving yourself permission to go, okay, that's not working. I can try something else and base it on what I learned the time before when it didn't work. Let's talk about another one of this episode's sponsors, BetterHelp. For a lot of people, decluttering struggles can be related to mental health struggles. I can only help you with the decluttering. If you're struggling with your mental health, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. It allows you to connect with a licensed professional counselor from home in a safe and private online environment. This means you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, though I do want to be clear, it is not a crisis line. Your struggles may be different from the ones that your neighbors are facing. Through BetterHelp, you have access to broad expertise in the network so you can address your unique needs. You're not limited to what's available in your local area. And the service is available for clients worldwide. You can check out testimonials posted daily on their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash clean. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash clean. This one is less about experimenting, but I do want to talk about it because it's kind of a fun concept. How to keep your sanity with harvest and canning season. Again, like I think I mentioned last week, it always makes me Google when people ask me questions as if I know anything, because guess what? I have never participated in neither harvest nor canning season, but let's talk about this. Okay. So let me go on with the rest of the question. My kitchen and this is her, my kitchen and dining room are overrun with canning supplies and food to be canned or frozen. Okay. I just have to stop and say, that's like my dream. I want to be that person, but I'm not yet. I know it's temporary, but with full-time homeschool, I'm way over my clutter threshold. Ultimately, Oh, then this is my answer. (laughs) Okay. So that's her, that's her thing. Where I do relate to this is the project brain. Okay. Having a project, I enjoy projects. Okay. I enjoy projects and having my basics under control where they're literally taking me, you know, 
a fifth or a tenth of the time that they used to when I would let them build up and then have to tackle like huge amounts of dishes or huge amounts of whatever. Doing that gives me more time for the projects, which is what makes me happy anyway, which is the stuff that I really enjoy doing. So I do relate to the project aspect of this. Okay. So currently I have a project going on, which I will hopefully at some point be letting you guys um, have a part of. Anyway, so I'm creating a course on basically my system of cooking. Have I told y'all this yet? It's very possible I have. Anyway, but my system of pre-cooking my meats and having basic ingredients that I can throw together into a meal. So what I'm doing is I'm doing like two weeks worth of meals. So I cooked the chicken on the second day. I cooked the ground beef on the first day. And then I'm using those in two weeks worth of meals. This, I'm just going to say it. Um, this is not like the end all be all. This is basically a plan that you can either watch through the course and just get the concept and take that. Or for those of you who are like, I seriously never cook because it's just so overwhelming. This is a way for it to not be overwhelming. And it's going to actually teach you and talk you through using my style of teaching that you guys already know of. Okay. So what I'm saying is like, I still use meal plans. Okay. Even though I cook this way, I just use those same pre-cooked meats in any meal that, you know, calls for cooked cubed chicken or, um, you know, cooked ground beef or whatever. I use those in that. And then that frees me up to spend a little more time on other nights on the little bit more complicated recipes anyway. Um, but so I'm working on that. That has been something that my son has been working with me on in the mornings and, um, it's been going on, you know, of course, everything always takes longer than you think it's going to take, but I mean, it's been going on for, I guess, two and a half weeks now. All right. That we've been working on this, which means for two and a half weeks, I have had the stuff out of my kitchen. Have I told y'all about this? I feel like I have, whatever. Anyway, but I've had stuff out of my kitchen on my dining room table. So my dining room table that I work fairly hard to keep clear, okay, at least every other week when the person comes to clean my house, um, I make sure that it is completely and totally cleared off and not just the stuff shifted to a different spot, but like actually everything is final decisioned off of there, okay? But for right now, it's my holding place because that's my project area. Like that's where if I'm going to do a project that's going to take more than a day, so I need to have its own spot. Well, that's what that's for. Yes, it's also for when we have people over, but I really like what the dining room is and that function for it. Okay. So my point in this is I have been able to do that and our family has been able to function perfectly fine because of the decluttering that I've done in my dining room. Okay. So let's go back in the past 11 years ago when, um, if you've read through the blog, you've seen how scary my dining room was before I started all this. Okay. I mean, it was just crazy. It was a huge mess, um, because it just kind of was this dumping ground. So back then I still wanted to do big projects and I would do big projects, but it caused this huge disruption in our home because I didn't have that space available for that. Now, I know you may not have a space, a room in your house that can be that, but the more you declutter, the more you're going to reveal 
and establish places that are able to serve the purpose of giving you project space. Okay. So if if this is my house that we're talking about and needing a place to put all of my, um, canning supplies and food to be canned or frozen, you know, for me, for this project I'm doing, I needed to be able to have these things off of my counters so that I could just, you know, be showing the actual chopping of vegetables and doing of things and all that kind of stuff. And so I had a space to move that to because that space has been decluttered. So part of that space's function at this point is to allow for projects. Sometimes I'm doing the projects on there. Right now it's holding the stuff that my kitchen counters would normally hold in order to allow me to do the project in there. Does that make sense? So it's like the key here is decluttering. It's ultimately about the overall decluttering of your house, getting stuff out of there that you don't absolutely need to make room for both the stuff that you need for these projects, but also the space that you need to be able to do these things that you want to do. Okay. We've talked before about finding storage space in your own home. Sometimes, well, what that means, not sometimes, what that means is, you know, it it might mean clearing out a cabinet in your house that you are like, I don't even really know what's in there. What? I never have looked at, I haven't looked in that cabinet in 13 years, whatever. Um, Maybe it means clearing out that cabinet, being ruthless to clear out space to make room for the project that you really want to do. Maybe it's the room, whether it's your living room, whether you don't have that space or not, but if you have a space where even if it's your breakfast table, okay, yeah, we're going to eat in front of the TV for a week during, and I don't know how long canning and harvest season is anyway, but we're going to eat in front of the TV. That's going to be the fun thing that our family is going to remember about canning and harvest season is that we ate and watched a show every night in front of the TV because, um, Mom needed the breakfast table to put all her canning supplies on or something. But if the breakfast table can't even be used for breakfast on a normal day because there's um, a sewing machine and a big humongous overflowing pile of mail and this and that and the other, then it's too overwhelming to think of that being a space that's temporarily available for canning and harvest season. Does that make sense? Other thing too, if you have little kids, what we used to do, you know, it it used to be a lot bigger deal for us to eat in front of the TV. Um, But what we used to do is I had a small table for them with chairs and I would put out like a huge sheet on the floor so that then when things dropped and spilled, when, not if, I would just be able to pick up that sheet and shake it out and then put it in the washing machine. Um, So it didn't mess up the floors. Anyway, Okay. So, so I I think that's the thing. We talked a lot about clutter threshold last week. Um, or the week before I'm, I'm getting all mixed up. I'm trying to get ahead on these so I can work on my book, but sometimes my brain doesn't allow for (laughs) pretending like it's a day that it's, that it's not right now. Anyway. Um, but decluttering to the point where you have room to do projects, where you have room to temporarily and purposefully stuff shift. Okay. If you need to get the stuff out of this space, having open room in your house is huge to be able to do that. I know when we did our remodeling, I was so proud of myself that I was able to fit all of the 
fancy china that I had to take out of my um, china cabinet to while I moved it out of the dining room and got new flooring put in, um, I was so proud of myself that I had space in my kitchen cabinets to put all those that formal china in there. I mean, that's a really big deal for someone like me. I, I mean, I used my kitchen cabinets used to be so stuffed full, I could never even have imagined that. Now, was it perfectly neat and sparse and minimalistic while the formal china was in there temporarily? No, but there was space for it. Okay. So if you're a project person, you have to put that into your clutter threshold. Okay. And maybe you experiment on what is the bestest, the bestest, the bestest, (laughs) that's not a real word, the best place in your home where you can do projects. Okay. Maybe you, maybe you decide you're going to get, um, I know I bought a, I bought a folding, like an eight foot table. I always think of them as church tables, you know, or church or schools, whatever they all have them like those folding tables, but I bought one that folds then in half. So it doesn't take up more space than just like a normal card table, but it's a big old table. I love that thing. You know, maybe that's the splurge that you have. And your goal is to declutter your house to the point where when you are involved in a big project, you can set that up in the corner of the living room and focus on the project. Okay. Okay. Let's go through these and see how quickly I can get through it. Um, another question, how do you deal with people who aren't getting into the routine of this is that item's new home? It's been four months and someone in my house keeps putting things, blankets that they regularly use back in the original location. Should I label everything? Just keep moving it back to its new home. All right. So what I wrote in my little notes were, there's more to this story. Okay. Like, okay. So here's my question. Are you embracing where the majority of people who use this item would look for this thing first. Okay. Can you embrace where they look for it first? Now, if it's a family of 10 and one person is putting it in one place and everybody else is putting it in the 10, then yes. I mean, unfortunately, kind of like we talked about with the teenager thing two weeks ago, you know, it may be a matter of, yes, it's going to be the reminding and the moving and all that. Could you have two places for blankets? Um, is there a place for this person's specific blankets? I don't know, but you, you just ultimately have to decide how much effort you want to put into this. Like I personally changed my blanket spot at one point and then realized I was still putting them in the old place. Like I had this great, amazing new idea. This is the new home. This is going to be great. But in reality, I was robotically, which I'm always thankful if I put something away robotically, but I was robotically putting things back in the old spot. And I finally went, why am I fighting this? Okay. Now, again, you know, if it's one person, then can you just embrace it in some way? Or do you say this is worth it to me to move it um, or to just, you know, remind or whatever? But I'd also be thankful that they're putting away blankets. So, okay. Um, Another question that's similar on that is how do you remember when you make a special place for things? I spent 20 minutes looking for a charger and finally found it where it's supposed to be in the basket with the chargers. Okay. This is not an experiment one. This is a, are you using the decluttering question? Number one on instinct and not analysis. Are you like wherever you looked for it first, unless it was, you know, out on the dining room table, because that's where it used to always be. But wherever you looked for it first is the first place where you should look for it. And that's where you should put it. 
Okay, so, you know, are you going with your instinct as opposed to analysis? Because this is a very common decluttering frustration as I put it in a really good place. And now I can't remember where it is. That's happened to me. It still happens to me sometimes, but it happens to me almost never a whole lot less because I use decluttering question number one. If I needed this item, where would I look for it first? Where would I actually look for it first? Instinct, not analysis, would not should. Okay. So that one is not an experiment. I'm sorry. I mean, y'all do what you want to do, but do what I say. Okay. Because what you should want to do is what I say. (laughs) Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Um, all right, here we go. And this is actually an email that came in with a lovely beginning part, which will come out on the blog at some point. Um, this is, uh, someone who started listening because she wanted to change her husband. Um, and finally started to appreciate him and like had all these lovely things. It was seriously just the loveliest thing. And it'll be on the blog at some point. Who don't know? Who knows when? But here, here was the question part of the email. My husband struggles to keep track of things. Scissors and tape measures have become a point of stress because we both want to use these things regularly. I always know where mine are because my brain moves my hands to put them away. Oh, so jealous of her automatically when I'm done with them. Alas, she missed the super creative gene. She says, I bet she's more creative than she thinks anyway. Um, and I get irritated when he borrows mine and doesn't replace them or remember where he put them in an attempt to be helpful. I went out and bought him six pairs of scissors and six measuring tapes. As you might've guessed, all these items are misplaced most of the time. He gets frustrated because he knows there's a pair of scissors on our knife rack and a tape. Okay. So here's the, she says, do you have any ideas for this? Um, and, and she's being like incredibly understanding. Like that was the point of the email was like, she gets her husband now. She says, I don't mind having 87 of each if it will help, but I don't know if that would be solving the problem or if they would all wander into the same void as the first six. Here's the thing with stuff like that, that each of you use individually, it is perfectly fine to have multiples to have, you know, we use scissors in the kitchen. We use scissors in the office area. We use scissors in the, you know, homeschool area or whatever it is that you do. It's perfectly fine to have a pair of scissors in each of those places. Um, I know the nester who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, when I was at her house, one of the things I noticed, which I think she's talked about this before, is she will do those little, little cup hooks, those little hooks in the wall and she'll just hang and she gets, of course, beautiful scissors because that's who she is. Um, I don't have any beautiful scissors in my house, but she will hang them in different little places and she'll make it decorative and that's fine. But you know, it's fine for you to have your own. And to be honest, it's pretty much the normal thing for mama to have her own scissors that nobody better ever touch. I mean, for real, like I've seen memes about it, you know, like everybody knows, don't you dare touch mom's scissors. Um, and so that's just natural, you know, of course, do you have to, you know, think about it and think about how you're showing love and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there are some boundaries around these scissors that you don't, you know, my, with my mom, it was her fabric scissors. Don't you dare cut anything but fabric with those things, which she's right. That's correct. You're not supposed to. And we all knew it. But, um, one of the things, if you want to help him, one of the things to help with would be the, um, you know, where would he look for it first? And then you can help with the five minute pickuping, either with doing it together, or if you want to just do a five minute pickup of the house and you know where his scissors are supposed to go in the first place he would look for them, you know, maybe all eventually all six pairs of scissors will be in that spot. But you know, it's that the five minute pickup is the thing to combat 
the random putting down of stuff. I know it's a little bit harder when you naturally put everything away. And so in your mind, maybe the five minute pickup doesn't, you don't need it and maybe you don't, but that might be, you know, you mentioned in your email, all the things that he does for you that you've learned to appreciate and go, okay, I'm fine with the things he doesn't do because of he's actually an amazing person, you know? So maybe you decide, okay, well, this is something I'm going to do because it's something I enjoy doing. I like putting things away. So I'm going to do a purposeful five minute pickup and just, you know, ask him where the first places that he would look for this. And I'm going to put things in those places that are his stuff. But yeah, having, and, and again, it's experimenting. It's figuring out what works. Does it work to, have 87, maybe don't start with the 87 pairs, but does it work to try the five minute pickup? Does it work to have, you know, a little hanging thing where it's obvious when the scissors are there and they're not? Is it, does it work for him to get to pick the, um, place where he would look first for scissors or does it work for, does he just naturally always ask you where the scissors are? You know, like what is it that, um, works? And so I, I just want to give permission to experiment, to try something and go, okay, well that didn't work. Let's try something else because that's actually from what I hear, that's how organized people actually do things. Yeah. They're one of the reasons that they get so excited about organizing is they're like, Ooh, I want to see what works. I want to try this. I want to try that. It's rarely because they say, Oh, I want to implement exact precise thing that I already know how everything is going to play out. Maybe, maybe they do say that. I don't know. I'm not one. So anyway, all right, I'm going to be done now and I will, um, if you guys want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash the slob comes clean. And, um, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.